Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are beginning a new book today. It's called Where the River Begins, and it is by Patricia Sanjin, with permission of Moody Publishing Company. I have to apologize to you. Through an error of my own, I missed one day, so I, I ask your forgiveness and thank you for your patience with us. And now let's begin on this new book. It's called The Cherry Tree is the first chapter. Francis shouted his stepfather, Will you behave yourself? Leave your little sister alone. It's crazy a boy your size. Francis gulped down his mouthful and started the usual argument. I tell you, Dad, she kicked me first. She always does, and you always think, I didn't, you did. You did, I didn't. Francis, hold your tongue. Can't you see how you're upsetting your mother and bringing on her headache? Don't you care? Well, I'm only telling you, you just stop telling us then. Take your lunch and finish it in your bedroom and stay there till I call you. I'm dead sick of all this quarreling. Anyone would think you were a baby. Francis seized his plate, snatched a jam tart from the middle of the table, and sat down in the middle of his set it right down in the middle of his gravy, aimed at a last deadly kick at Wendy's shins, and made for the door. Her yells followed him down the hall, but he did not go up into his bedroom. He sneaked through the living room, stuffed his Star Wars comic down his jersey, and streaked out the back door into the yard. He must not walk in the front of the kitchen window where they were finishing lunch, or so he tiptoed around the house and made a run for the hedge. Stooping low, he creeped through the long grass behind the apple trees and reached the cherry tree at the very end of the yard in safety. Nobody quite knew who the cherry tree belonged to, for its roots were half in Francis' yard and half in old Mrs. Glen, Glengarry's next door. That imparted an exciting, trespassing sort of feeling to begin with. It was fun to peer over into other dangerous territory and pretend he would not be seen, although Mrs. Glengarry had long ago noticed the dangling legs. But when Frances's sandal had once dropped into her lavender bushes, she, she had come out and handed it back. She rather liked the dangling legs. They reminded her of something she had lost many years ago. But nobody from his own house had yet discovered Francis' hiding place in the cherry tree, for it was hidden by an evergreen and was not easy to climb. In fact, climbing was impossible with a plate. So he finished his dinner, crouched in the bushes, and squashed his tart into his pocket and jumped for the lowest bough. He kicked up his le legs to catch hold of it and hauled himself up and over. Then, hand over hand, he climbed to the big fork in the tree where there was a kind of seat, and a hollow, hollow large enough to contain a tin box. Francis settled himself comfortably and checked the contents of the tin box. It was all there. Three dingy cars, 50 football cards, and a bag of mints. He ate at the crumbs of his tart and started to think over his position. He did not mind being set away from the table. In fact, when Dad was in a temper and Mom had a headache, Wendy was in a bad mood. It was far pleasanter to have lunch in the cherry tree. Nevertheless, his heart was sore. Wendy had kicked him first. She always did. And Dad always blamed him because he was the oldest. And it was not fair. If he had been Dad's son, Dad would have liked him as much as Wendy and Debbie. And it was not true that he did not care about Mom's headaches. He did care, and he would do anything for his mother. But somehow, he never got a chance to tell her. And Dad said I was naughty, and Mom always believed him, and it wasn't fair. Wendy kicked first, and they never said Wendy was naughty. Dad always blames me. Her thoughts were going round and round in the same old circle, back to the same place. 
It wasn't fair. It wasn't fair, he said to himself in bed at night, so that he sometimes would not sleep, and he said to himself in class, so that he could not listen to what the teacher was saying. She had said on his last report that he was inattentive. Then Dad had been cross and said he was naughty again, and Mom had believed him, and it wasn't fair. But here in the cherry tree, it was easier than anywhere else to forget that it was not fair, because there were so many things to look at. He could see Mrs. Glengarry coming out, wrapped in shawls to feed her cats, and Mrs. Rose two doors away, hanging out her dishcloths. She could spy on somebody's backyard <clears throat> and on beyond the yards to where cars and trucks roared along the main street. <clears throat> to where the woods began and little hills rose behind a warm acres of pink Warwickshire soil and farms and pastures and somewhere between two dips in the hills, the river. It was March and the end of a wet winter. The river would be flooding its banks in parts and nearly reaching the bridges. And then he looked around in his own yard. The crocuses were ragged and dying but the daff daffodils' spears were pushing through the grass. It was very quiet except for the birds, and he wondered what they were all doing. Mom would have gone to bed with her headache, and Dad would be with Wendy, and Debbie would because it was Saturday afternoon. He would probably take them to a ride in the bicycles in the park and buy them ice cream, and no doubt he would soon go up to Francis's bedroom to tell him that he would be if he would behave and say sorry to his little sister, he could come too. Francis had to admit that Dad quite often tried to be kind, but he did not want anyone's kindness, and he, he was not going to say sorry to Wendy or ride his bicycle with little girls, and he had enough money in his pocket to buy his own ice cream. Spring was in the air, and he would be off by himself and have an adventure. He would go to the river, and Mom would not worry because she would be asleep, and Dad would probably be so glad to get rid of him. He pocketed the mints and scrambled cautiously down the tree, peering through the evergreen to make sure the coast was clear. His bicycle was in the tool shed and not hard to get at. Another few moments and he was out, the, out of the gate, pedaling madly and breathing hard. He had made it. Francis had a vague idea of getting to the river, but he'd never been so far by himself. And by the time he reached the bottom of his road, he was beginning to wonder whether an adventure by himself would be much fun. He even found himself thinking longingly of Dad and Wendy in the park and half hoped the others would catch up. But they were nowhere in sight and suddenly realized that he was standing at the bottom of a street where the houses were smaller than those on the, his road and that down this street lived Ram, a boy from India who went to his school. He'd never taken much notice of Ram. Nobody did because he was very shy and small for his age and he could not speak much English. But Rom had a bicycle and would be somebody to share an adventure with. Francis paddled to the number eight and knocked on the door. Rom's mother came to the door wearing a deep blue sari, her hair hanging in a braid down her back and a tiny girl on her hip. She did not know much English either, but looked rather frightened. She asked Rom, who came running out and introduced everybody. His little sister was Tara, and she stared solemnly at Francis with huge, unblinking black eyes and Francis decided he liked her very much better than Debbie. Rom's mother seemed pleased that Francis had come to visit Rom to go for a bicycle ride, because no other child had visited, and her little boy was lonely here in England, where they found it so hard to communicate. While Rom pumped up his bicycle tires, she prepared them a little picnic, 
and Francis sat and waited in a room that smelled pleasantly of curry and tried unsuccessfully to make Tara smile at him. Then they were off, pedaling along the grassy edge of the great main road that led southward from the city and out towards the open country. Francis knew the way he had been there once or twice with his stepfather. Where are we going, asked Rom, his black eyes sparkling. To the river, shouted Francis, forging ahead. Tomorrow we'll read chapter two, The River. I love you, I'm praying for you, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.